Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. You're tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans. Producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows. Interviewing celebrities and showrunners. And bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! There it is. Mmm. Looks oh, yeah. smooth. Silky. White man Silky. over bite. Where, Where is it? There it is. <laughs> there it is. Gotta feel it. Mm. Welcome oh, to the After Buzz no? TV. No, After Buzz TV's True Detective After Show. I'm Joe Braswell. I'm joined for once in his life by Joseph Lippo. It's nice to be here. I mean, I, I know we have a guest today, which is when you come out for the guest. <laughs> you come out all uh, for the guest. <laughs> I have a month-old baby. I've been, I've been sequestered. Yes, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, how you doing, Joe? Uh, living the dream. How are you, Joe? I'm fantastic. I'm also living the dream. Well, good. We're both dreaming. Yes. And we're caught in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Julia. What's happening in this dream? I'm also joined by the little Julia Carley. Hi, everybody. How nice to be back. And, and ben you? and I had a nice little date last week. Yeah, that's oh. pretty romantic. the two of us, it was. Julia, you've been working on your super secret project. I have been working on my super secret project. But um, we won't talk about that because it's super secret. It is super mm. secret. Uh, but Ben Bateman. How I'm you, here. Sir? I'm excited to talk about True Detective. Man. You, this you was, were holding it down last week. It's my favorite episode of the season so far. So this is, and you know, I've been a fan pretty much the whole season. It's pretty strong. Yeah, it was it's good pretty one. strong. I, I got some feelings on that too. But more importantly, I said I'm who I am. But we're also joined uh, by the lovely, the fantastic John Lindstrom. Woo-hoo. Thank you very much, John. I don't think anyone's referred to me as lovely. Lovely. I, like it. I think it's quite fitting. <laughs> but I'll take it. Lovely, you are. Oh, oh thank you. John, if you, if you don't recognize him, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see John, and you recognize him as the mysterious J- Jacob McCann. Uh, from TV's True Detective, the show that we're doing right now. Um, and uh, if you're not watching on YouTube, then you'll hear his voice because uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, how this that's and, how this works. And that's all it really takes. Um, we're going to talk to John a little later on about sort of his. He, he has had the pleasure of working with multiple directors. When, when I ask him what it was like working with Nick, ask him what it was like, like working with Justin Lin uh, and Miguel on this, this last episode. But um, before that, we want to talk about the episode itself. And, and those of you who are live, live streaming, feel free to ask us some questions um, for John if you guys want to know anything at all, because we'll, we'll talk to him about whatever. He's going to tell us everything, including how it ends. <laughs> so um, that's what I do, man. Yeah. We, we won't let him <laughs> give it all away until he does. The show will not end until he tells us how we are locked in a room. Yeah, season two away. ends since it's already in the can. Uh, I want to get some thoughts on this episode. I know yours, I, I know mine, I know yours, Ben, but let's start with Joe Flippo. Joe, what did, what did you think of this one? I liked this episode a lot. Good. I enjoyed it very much, and I thought that uh, I, I started to get Frank's character more. I, th- I felt like he came out in a way this week that I kind of understood him more. Hmm. I felt like everything kind of worked, it kind of clicked for me a little bit more. 
Um, and I really liked I, Rachel McAdams was was Stone Cold Killer. She's really good. Or Stone Cold Fox in that dress. Ooh. Well, and apparently we're done. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that happened. Don't mind, don't mind that. We're the live stream client going to the same time. Live stream. We're too live. Sorry, we're too, too live. live. Uh, to that crew. You, Julia. Me, my yeah, turn. We'll um, I agree. This is my favorite episode yet of this season. Um, I feel like I got a really great deep insight um, into who these characters are. I feel like over the last many episodes, we've sort of scratched the surface on on these people's pasts and what they've been through and why they're so effed up. Um, but now I feel like we're a little bit more uh, clear on why they are who they are and what their motivations are. The goals were pretty straightforward in this episode. Um, it was a very disturbing episode there at the end, but you know me, I like that stuff. Hmm. So I was totally in. Okay. Uh, ben, you had some really strong feelings about this episode. What, what were they? Well, I am just going to let our... There we go. Pop, we good? Good to go. Yes, I believe so. Alright. All right. Uh, my feelings on this episode were that I felt it had the strongest... The strongest total uh, of, of scenes thus far uh, yes. of the show. I thought, you know, there have been some great scenes so far throughout the, the the five that we had seen. But in terms of just walking away from it, feeling like the plot had been advanced, then I got out of the characters what I wanted. This was like at least sixty five percent. Unfortunately, and we will get to his character. I have like a final my final opinion on the Vince Vaughn storyline that's been waffling this whole time. Okay. When we get to his character, you have a final opinion. I'll share it when we get to it. But <laughs> okay. uh, in terms of the episode itself, I really enjoyed the episode. I thought it was thought it was well done, and I walked away from it very excited for the next one. Me too. I I, I really love this episode. Um, I have to say, like we we've talked much about the the multi director approach, obviously from the the auteur one director from season one. Uh, Justin Lin did a great job of setting the tone in the first two episodes. I feel like, you know, in terms of what we saw in um, after episode four, in episode five for me, I felt a little lost. It felt, felt a little different. It was very distinct. It, look, each director sort of bring in their own style with the through line of what uh, Nick Pizzolatto's done. But I really felt like uh, episode five, I felt a little, it felt a little, you know, off, off brand for me. I was a little lost. This episode, episode six, was it felt like an entirely different show. I mean, an entirely different show. Not not necessarily in, in, in a great, great way. Look, the whole of the show itself is fantastic. I'm, 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 we're here to nitpick this thing. We're here to like, take it apart. The show is fantastic. We all know we love the show. But um, I feel like what I saw um, from Miguel... Um, thank you. Saposhnik. <laughs> thank you. Uh, from the get-go, it was it was fantastic, and a collection of wonderful scenes, including the one we'll start with, which is this sort of uh, st- standoff with um, Colin Farrell and Vince Vaughn, which we saw. I think Vince Vaughn had his had his coming out party there because I think that a lot of us on the internet and some of us in this room have been trying to figure out Vince Vaughn's performance and if if if, if it's if it's him, if it's this, if it's that. Do we like it? Do we buy him? Do we believe him? And I've been on record by saying I like it. Uh, but I'm all in now on Vince Vaughn's performance. What did you think of that scene, Ben? Okay, so that was the most intense scene that we've we've gotten to witness between uh, Colin Farrell and Vince Vaughn this season, right? Every right. other scene, for the most part, has been this sort of, like, hazy fatigue in, in Colin Farrell's face, for the most part. Mm-hmm. He was a little sober in the one episode, but this was the most intense. The stakes were the highest. It was very engaging. It was like a much more serious scene uh, version of that scene from Gro- Gross Point Blank. Yeah. Um, but uh, I walked away from that feeling like, okay, this was great. This is what I wanted to see. It was such a reminder to me that the stakes have, they're supposed to be high in so many of the scenes that Vince Vaughn is in, but they never seem to feel that way. This one felt that way, which is why I think that scene was so good. I think it was, it, it, look, I think felt like this, 
the relationship between these two characters, now that we're, we've lived in them for six episodes, it all felt earned. So now I understand the relationship, we understand the history, from all those one-on-one scenes we saw early in season in episodes one and two in the bar, all the way up into what we saw here, I felt every bit of, of, of the tension that was there. I thought it was well-acted and well-written and a wonderful scene. Flippo. Yeah, I was just going to say my last point was that there was a couple couple lines that I thought uh, Colin Farrell had in the scene that I really really loved. I, I sold my soul for nothing mm-hmm. was one. Just there was a lot of emotion behind a couple of those lines that I I enjoyed his delivery a lot. I thought yeah. it was one of his strongest scenes in the show. He's, so he's far. good at acting. He's good at that it. Yeah. Colin Farrell kid. Not bad. Good, 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 bright future. He might have a future. <laughs> <laughs> might. We'll see if he can get a good swing. You know, if he gets a <laughs> shot. Somebody's got to give him a shot. Yeah. Uh, I thought that scene was great. You know, it was, it was interesting because it, it, it really, you know, it, it's one of those scenes that really smacks of choice because you could shoot that scene about a hundred different ways given the dialogue. You could come busting in that door. He could come. It could be a screaming and yelling match in the kitchen. It could be It could be too cool for school. It could be, you know, there's, there's, there's all these different options, but they chose to do it very, very still, very, very quiet, very, very simple. And just adding the guns worked. It made, it made all that possible. Um, and it was it, to me. It was interesting that that also that the next scene or the two scenes later you had uh, you had Colin Farrell after all the, the control he had to show all day long with that first confrontation with Vince Vaughn, then with the, the visitation with his kid. Then he goses and he has himself an enormous blow party. Yes, yeah, so we'll get to loses we'll his goddamn to. mind. But um, but it was uh, that scene was terrific. And and I think that like you said, this is uh, you know you would call, call it Vince Vaughn's coming out party. I think that's fine because I, I I really bought the character. I enjoyed that. The, the re- it didn't. It didn't. Nothing screamed out at me as like, eh, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, really, really great work. And I love that 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 his wife is off in the corner with her gun. Oh, she was which, ready. Which yeah. kind of I'd forgotten that she was there. And it yeah, was like, no. like, oh, that's right. This was not going to go off one way or another. She yeah. was there too. It was, it was always going to go. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And she, well, Vince Vaughn said, "Me or my guys." Right. And I'm like, there's only one guy, but she's a girl. She's in the back, and she's <laughs> all there, <laughs> and she's ready. She's got the letter. Uh, Um, I loved that scene. Um, I feel like that scene sort of leveled the playing field of these two characters, and it showed that they have a a true uh, history together, rather than just boss and employee. There's there's um, there's feelings toward each other that I feel that came out in that scene, um, and their history. And I feel like it also continued the stakes and heightened the stakes even higher because the story didn't just stop there. You know, it, it, it's growing from there. So I really loved it. Good, good. I love too. I love me some Vince Vaughn. We all know this. Uh, John, I want to bring in John in this one if you, if you don't mind, John. I mean, I, you, you've too, obviously I know that you're you're clearly a fan of the series. I know that you watch all the time and you, and you love it. Um, did you, I mean, what, watching this for the first time put together, you know, um, what, what, what did you feel? What was your reaction? I'm sorry, is the show started? Yes. <laughs> I on. thought we were just Please recapping for ourselves. Oh, no, we're rolling. <laughs> um, to me, I mean, since we're talking about Colin and Vince's scene in such detail, uh, I, I think the the biggest thing that I could say about it is that it is, it is really good storytelling. Mm-hmm. Until that moment, there is no reason for them to have that face-off. And it, it's, it follows such distinct and solid logic from Nick. Pizzolatto I'm talking about um, that I mean sure it's a it's a fantastic payoff but that it couldn't have happened before that moment yeah um, for me it really really nailed it and as far as what we were saying about Vince Vaughn I mean to me it speaks to why I think his performance is is just epic when it comes to nailing this guy Frank Simeon because he can sit and talk to uh, Ray Velcoro he can talk to this cop, an ex-sheriff's deputy, who's basically comes from a 
from a rather low-rent background, just like Frank does, and they can talk to each other, and they know the streets, and they're savvy, and, and, and it's easy for them to communicate, which is true of Vince's character with just about everybody he talks to until he talks to someone like my character. Right. And in that case, he's getting completely outclassed. Yeah. He does not have the sophistication yet that he wants to have to go legit. But when he can talk to to a very corrupt cop, he can speak the language in a way and let himself go in a way that we don't otherwise get to see. And I, you know, so to me, I think uh, I think Vince just totally nails the guy. I mean, Frank is definitely more eloquent in a you know in a not in not just in a he's philosophical. Way, yes, exactly. Yeah, he's been thinking a lot about. You know where he is, where he comes from, where he wants to go, right. and and a lot of it it really seems to come from a great place because he loves his wife and he wants to build something for his family. This brings up a question which I want to ask you guys again: um, Is Frank a villain? No, you're saying no. John's like no, no. I don't think he is. I think he's a, a, a fairly glorious character in right. that he's making the best of what he was given. And he is trying to make this great leap into uh, a new kind of life, for not just for himself. He wants to take the people that he cares about. Along. Well, you know, that the, makes him not a villain. Well, the way this was kind of you know talked about in the casting earlier was like when Vince Vaughn is is the big bad, or Vince Vaughn is the the is playing opposite. And so we, we I think we had it in, in our mind that oh, Vince Vaughn's the bad guy, mm-hmm. but. You know, there's a lot of smarter than that, and there is no real bad guy sure, in that no. sense. Yeah. And there's some, there's some, you know, some damaged people, some, some for corruption and fat cats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's some really, really bad people. Joel, you, I've, I've always said, and I've always felt that he is one of the most sympathetic characters in the show, even mm-hmm. though he does get gangster, even though he does pull people's teeth out, which mm-hmm. is kind of badass. Yeah. But he does say in this scene that he that he has a sense of justice, and I believe him wholeheartedly that he is guided by that sense of justice, and it comes out in so many different ways and I think his performance has been pretty stellar in that regard and it shows through. Well in that moment so because you thought that in that moment did you think that it could, were you, did you think that Frank set him up that oh Frank or did you think that Frank would never do that? He's got the sense of justice. Well, he admits. He admits <laughs> that, like, no, it didn't hurt to have you on my side to, no, have, no, no, to blackmail before, before you. you knew that He's the always answer. trying to achieve this this status, your character's kind of status. He wants to be in that, that circle, and he's willing to do what he needs to do to get there, which is not often legal. It is not often pretty. So he's not, like, a great guy. Yeah. But he does have a, I think... Uh, an ethic and a set of morals that does guide him. Right. I kind of feel like if he had known that he was setting him up, um, he at the time that he did it, he would have taken every effort to find the real guy. I don't think he would have left that guy out there. Right. Because I think he's too smart for that. That makes sense. I think was, so, too. I think he, he wouldn't believe a loose end. It was yeah. also yeah. 11 years ago, and he was in a much different place 11 sure. years ago. Crooked. And, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. And another jacket on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he was wearing those fresh suits. Um, <laughs> There's a lot. We learned a lot in this scene about not only about the two characters, but just about sort of like what potentially could be going on and who's and who's on whose side. And I think that between what we saw um, in episode five with um, with Frank and his wife, and what we saw in episode six with Frank, Frank has done a real for me. Has just done a real uh, character that already had a lot of depth and a lot of uh, interesting notes. 
it, it, it turned into a real, like, deep, wonderful, full-bodied glass of wine. I really think, I love, I love the Frank Simmons. I, I went from, like, I like Vince, I'm not sure what he's doing, but I love it, to, like, I love this character. Like, it's, this is part of the thing we talked about, about this being an eight-hour eight movie. Yeah. And sort of having to sort of look, it's an eight-hour movie, yeah. it's hard to go up after episode one, like, I don't know about this one, or episode three, but once we get there, now we're getting pretty close to it, and things are forming, and I'm looking back over the last six episodes, I'm like, yeah, that was a great performance. I really, I really like Frank. So I don't know. We'll see. I mean, and it's okay for that to take time yes. for us to get to that point before we learn enough about him that we can appreciate him at least. Sure, you know, appreciate his fully formed consciousness or something. Sure, you know, Pizzolatto's a big fan of uh, Dennis Potter's work. If you mm-hmm. know his, he wrote the original The Singing Detective and Pennies from Heaven that came mm-hmm. from England. Mm-hmm. And you can go back and look at those and rewatch those as an eight-hour movie. Right. You know, I think what you said is exactly right. I think someday, five years down the road, ten years down the road, we'll go back and revisit True Detective seasons as if the same way we revisit the Godfathers. Yeah, sure. Films sure. And, you know, these classic movies that we categorize as movies, but television has finally kind of taken its place in that Pantheon. Sure. What do you call it? Post-secondary? Uh, post-secondary yeah. traumatic syndrome. It's <laughs> an argument he and I have had for, for years now. The post-secondary golden age of television, is that what we're calling it? This is the post-golden age. See, it's, it's, it's deep water. Okay, there's the golden age. I just call it the golden age. Everybody says Sopranos the golden age. I think this is the golden oh, age. Oh, God. It's the, you can think all you want. This is all, this is, this is I love you, and that's all I can <laughs> say. It's fact. Okay, so uh, let's continue with Frank because then we'll we'll get back we'll get back to uh, Volcaro and then the, and then the mission and everything. Let's continue with Frank because uh, there's one thing that he did say in the room that was very telling and interesting when he's like you know, um, when Ray asked them, "Are you going to be around?" He's like, "Look, uh, being on the ropes is not the same as bleeding out." Yeah, yeah, you know that. That, that was right? very cool. It's the story of my life, Lupo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you Don't tell him. Bleed on my floor. <laughs> um, but then we see. Uh, it's interesting the way the story's told because we get to see Frank, who's kind of on his own detective mission, isn't he? Like he, mm-hmm. Frank, Frank is actually, bit, yeah. you know, we, we talked about, we think we predicted this early on that Frank would become a detective of his own, and now his story has evolved into him like tracking some people down and tracking down the hard drive and tracking down the woman, and and so doing doing your bidding essentially, or maybe mm-hmm. trying to make a friend uh, with your character, John. So I don't know. So um, moving on to Frank's next uh, confrontation. Um, was when was this, the next thing we see Frank do? That, and I'm, I'm well, he's got, he goes that. to visit Stan's, Stan's widow, family. and yeah. then he also goes to uh, the Mexican standoff. Right. So let's talk about with the actual Mexican, yes. Yes. Mexican. which is a funny line. That's, That's a great line. line. Yeah. yeah. What did you think about the uh, the, the visit and the, the way that played out? I hated it. You hated it. I hated it. it. Well, I, I know what I hated about it. But I hated the outside. I hated the fact yeah, that the kid makeup, and he's but. hugging the kid and the heavy handedness. I did like that it was juxtaposed against the scene with Colin Farrell and his kid at the mm-hmm. same time. Those mm-hmm. were the cuts because we've talked about the the overarching theme of, of parenting and especially fatherhood in this show. Yep. So that's interesting to me. Uh, my biggest issue with, and this is what I, I won't go on a rant here because we've talked a lot about it already. But my big issue with Vince Vaughn's character on this show. I thought that it was that that character didn't fit in the narrative of the story as much as that was that was my initial thought, right? Mm-hmm. Too much real estate for this one character that wasn't as compelling as the other yep. three. I don't think it's that as much now as that I don't think Vince Vaughn's doing a bad job. I just don't think he was the right actor. And it's funny because it was written for him. It was written for him. I don't think that he's the right actor because most of the scenes most of the scenes he's in, I, I find myself watching and going, I know what you're doing. You're not ruining the scene by doing a bad job. I like Vince Vaughn a lot. I want to see somebody where I just, in their eyes or something, I just feel 
I want it to feel different when I'm watching those scenes. Mm-hmm. I don't feel compelled by his character, and it's it's difficult that it's six episodes in. I agree he had a coming out party, and I liked his character in this episode far more. But at this point, I'm five episodes deep, and I don't find him to be engaging or compelling as a character. So it's hard for me now, just because he had a great scene, to jump on and say, well, now, now I care about this scene, hmm. I care about this scene, I care about his... Like, I just wanted to go back to the other characters, which is why the scene with Colin Farrell to me was great, because it's putting him with the strongest character in the show. Fair enough. Um, uh, Jules, what did you think of that scene? Um, it wasn't my favorite scene. wasn't my least favorite scene. Um, I, I don't necessarily think it was the most necessary scene, but I thought his speech to the kid was... I thought that was compelling. Um, I was moved by it, considering what his history is, not only his childhood history, his history with his father, his inability to have children at the moment. Therefore, his, making it necessary. It's a necessary... I think it's a necessary scene to get to the bottom of but the, I feel like I already, back there. I feel like I already knew it. Okay. I think. But I, 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 I think it was... I thought his performance was lovely um, and moving, and but I don't know if it would have been as moving had that juxtaposition not been there with Colin Farrell and his uh, with Ray Valcora and his son Chad. Right. Um, but you know, I could take it or leave it. There's also the whole issue of Stan being this character that we're supposed to understand who he is, and he shows up for like a scene in the first episode. Well, I, I think the, the action of the scene is is not just to demonstrate the juxtaposition between the different kind, of, you know, parenting, not parenting, father figure for a brief moment, not father figure for a brief moment. I think it's also to show the boss, the boss caring for his people, sure. and that's mm-hmm. there to give us a little more insight into Frank. I think to exactly. show us that this True. is not just that that Stan dying was not a casual thing for him, and and you know when he's taking his when he's taking himself legit, he's taking his crew legit also. And so, you know, and that's that also plays into why he's having so much trouble with the other guy who's stepping out and 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 uh created this whole side thing with the Russians and the girls and the whole thing because he thought he was taking all of his guys in this one direction. And what do you say about, you know, his wife said he wasn't Stan wasn't running things for you. And he, he, what do you, he what do you call it? Skill sets, Skill right? Sets. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, the, the I think the the action of the scene is to show that he was that these people were his family. They meant more to him than than just you know, foot soldiers because he's not sure. really that gangster yeah. if he ever was. He's not that anymore um or trying not to be that and i thought it was also interesting the way that jordan kind of played in because you know at, there's that thought that she's kind of along for the ride a little bit at least that's mm-hmm. that's kind of where i've been putting my head but this episode that's no longer the case i mean she's standing off to the side with her little was it 38 specials is that what she had in her it looked like it's something like that, little, yeah. something little something a little it was dainty um you know, in in, in, her, in the scene with Colin Farrell, it's a Farrell. damn big hole. Though. It does, yeah. <laughs> and it depends what you load on. It might be a little back out, a little back out too. Um, but she was there with the money too, and the way she handled the money was great. This is not, this is not, we're not buying. This is, this was his money. Mm-hmm. You you shouldn't feel bad about taking this. I, I thought that scene was great. It established him as a couple too. They're in this together. Yeah. In a way, I think previously I hadn't felt that they were. I felt very much like she wanted one thing, and he's doing his best to kind of bridge the gap between real life and what she wanted. And this episode, I felt like they really were together. I disagree with that. I have been on board with their relationship since their very first scene together. Me too. I th- I've always thought it was genuine and true, and um, and this scene definitely solidified that, that she plays the perfect first lady. Mm-hmm. I, I don't mean to say that she wasn't in and he wasn't in. I meant to say that, that this is her, I, so I guess I would say, in the trenches, like she was in that, that cocktail party in the beginning. This This is her working with him, which I hadn't seen in this capacity. I only, I only receiving her working with him in the... In the, the attempts but, the but that's really because he's been keeping her out of it. Yeah, okay, you know, he has been kind yeah. of you know saying, "Please let me. I have to mm-hmm. go do something you don't want to be a part of." But I always felt like they were on the same page. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I never thought I that she, she was like, what, "I want this, I want this," he and he's trying to do it for her. I always felt like it's something that they dreamt together and are doing together and are complete partners in it. 
All right. Well, maybe it just felt more solid to me then. Okay. Maybe they dragged <laughs> me along. Okay. I will, maybe it's I will the bottom feeder no. got, got picked up. <laughs> I will say I, I, I do I do agree with you, Jules. I, I think that I felt this all the way along, and I do agree with you, Joe. It's, it, it, I think it's a good way to sort of establish uh, some some Vince Vaughn's character cares about stuff as opposed as opposed to yes. being the bad guy. And I, I think that, that it also helped I'm with, with where all, all the conversations about them having a kid and adopting a kid and adopting a son, and you know, obviously the the, the young son is sort of maybe Vince is looking at himself sure, and sure. Vince Vaughn and giving him the love that his father never gave him, all that good stuff. We saw that in the scene. Then we go from there to see Vince go over to find the girl in the, in the, in the Mexican standoff scene. Like, he, when he finds the girl, um, I can't... Um, Arena, arena, yeah, and the poor girl's throat's cut, right? Like he was visually distraught, yeah. And so it's and he was really, yeah. And he said like, I was like, "Why did you guys do why that? You why? Not? Why did you do that?" And again, more sympathy for 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 Frank. Frank's just a guy who's just trying to figure the, it out, keep yeah. the shit in the horse, and says, you know, and and figure it all out. He's not a guy who's just taking guys out and murdering people. And uh, that was very very sympathetic Frank episode. It was nice yeah. to see. I mean, it was nice that he got played because he's been he's so he's been so like quietly blustery this yeah. whole show. Yeah. Every scene seemingly is him trying to flex. Yes. So for him to make a tactical decision like that, offer the cut, and then yes. just get played like that, and yeah. you just see him weak. He's just I'm not going to raise up on these guys. That was nice. It, uh, and, it and gave depth. The other thing was, uh, you know, it really shows that he doesn't have the stomach for this anymore. Right. That that the Mexican guys came to play and he didn't. Yeah, those guys. Those like, guys are messing around. You know, and he said, <laughs> and, and, and it was great. It was very telling. He's sitting on that couch in that crappy little house, and and they're just staring at him. They didn't say anything. And he made the deal. He he made his own deal backwards. He he. You know, he's I'll yeah. give you three days, with no cut. And uh, and, and a five year warranty, and yeah. and I'll, I'll wash the car, and I got a service plan. <laughs> I mean, he, he he took the sales pitch out all the way. They didn't have to say a word. And then when when he gets there, and the girl's got a throat cut. To me, this guy, this is not a guy who's gonna who can live in this world anymore, right? It, you know what I mean? If he yeah, ever so was, he's, this he's guy, now stuck in the middle. Yeah, he's like yeah. in this purgatory of ex gangster and wannabe. And it's not legitimate business, and it's not right. just a matter of circumstance any longer. That scene shows it's a matter of his stomach. He cannot do this. Mm. You know, Does that make any sense? Absolutely. Or is and he ready funny, for what those people up there? That's are it. That's what to I was going to say. And and when he that's goes why he's being money, outclassed here, but go. being outsmarted here. That's right. it. Yeah. I want to shift uh, over to go ahead. What's go just real fast on that note? What's funny is oh, that yeah. in that very first scene with with Ray, he says, "You're free. You haven't had the nerve for this for a long time." And I'm wondering if that's partially him, partially Ray. I don't know. Yeah. Sort of like a little comparison yeah. there. Yeah, sort of speaking his own feelings. Yeah. You know, yeah, right. it could be true. Like, it ain't pretty, guys. Right. He understands it ain't pretty, but if he wants to be there, he has to play the game, it looks right. like. Um, so speaking of Ray, I mean, no, let's, let's, let's talk about Ray, because he <laughs> yeah, also had an interesting, you know, some interesting things happen to him. Oh, we, yeah? Yeah, that Ray. Guy? Shaved his mustache. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> That's <laughs> what happened. No, uh, that was a big deal. So we saw that deal. We, you know, we talked about the him and Vince Vaughn um, scene, the, the, the scene with Frank, sure. which was fantastic. But in the in the in the um, the aftermath of that scene, we get to see him have the confrontation with the real, the right. real rapist, which I thought was another riveting, fantastic scene, which was sort of like the, the the rage that was in his eyes and the rage that he felt that whole time, and the guy who was just a guy. It, clearly, he's just a guy who right. you know who maybe have, maybe may or may or may not have some mental problems, may or may not remember it, and all of that rage and hatred and 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 vengeance that he wanted to wreak upon someone. Like this guy is not the guy to do it. It's kind of a weird scene. It's a very empty, but it was closure for him. But it was very empty as well. I can tell you, I'll never look at a cheese grater the same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a tough that's a tough way to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a lot. Yeah. He said a lot. Um, I, I think it's you know it's very I, specific too. I yeah, know. yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> the problem. Like, be a red cheese grater than any pants on. Call it has some real that. images going yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. We felt them. Logistically speaking, a cheese grater's got to be a pain in the ass for that kind of thing. Because <laughs> you clean uh, it all the time. It can't uh, be. And if you try cleaning uh, a cheese grater, <laughs> just chew a sponge to pieces. I'm just saying. Thank you, Flippa. Just saying. Welcome, welcome back to the panel, Flippa. Thank you. You were saying that. So I had this thought when I was watching Velcro this this episode where. I made a note here. I, I wrote, uh, he's all, uh, what I, I, I want to find here. Uh, he, like, okay, so he's like all lazy intensity. Like, his bluster is derailed by his crippling and stifling self hatred. It's just Ooh. like, it just sedates everything that he does. Know. You wrote that down there? Well, I, I, I wrote it when I was, so, because my thought like was. Nick wrote that. <laughs> it, it's like when you're, when you're watching a character like that who says, and he's, he's looking through the window and he's saying all these really intense things, and he walks away with this cheesy line. He says, I don't even know you, man. And he says, You know me, you just didn't know you. You did, yeah. and you're like, it's the way that he treats all of it. You're like, I understand the way you feel about yourself, and you're this really intense guy, and maybe you could be a crack detective if you just kept it together, but you don't, and you hate yourself, and you're an alcoholic, and you're just that. You're like a bully the way you're even talking to that guy. You're never going to do any of that. Yeah. You'll get drunk, and you won't do it instead. Like it, it was just like it's amazing to watch a character that's so intense that you just sort of know that that character's intensity is completely derailed by them just having a total limp, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, the way Why he described... Yeah, there's demons, exactly. The way he described the way he was going to torture this man yeah. is so opposite from what he actually did to the to the fake rapist that right. he did kill. He said, I'd never even asked him any questions. Right. Whereas now, where it's totally safe, it's behind glass, the guy's already behind bars, he can really just, like, draw it out and say, this is what I would do, this is what I would do, but when push comes to shove, it's probably just going to shoot him. And that's some, that's, that's some catharsis there. There's some, some very sure. cathartic about being able to say that stuff out loud. But he's definitely fueled by rage rather than right. revenge. Right. I agree. Well, because there's that line that Ray has, right? He says, your crooked rage was always there. Or, didn't I just, didn't it just help you become the man that you always were going to become? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Sure. That's good stuff. I could have yeah. been different. Uh, yeah. So then we see him with his son, which I thought was very, very good. Joe. Who is this kid's dad? Who do we think the dad is? And it still doesn't look like that rapist. Yeah, it doesn't look like him. I mean, not even no. a little bit. Uh, I, I, don't know. I feel very uncomfortable. That scene made me feel so uncomfortable because that, wh- what they're doing with the kid is it. Uh, I don't like feeling this way about a kid. But I mean, it's obvious. Like we're sitting there. We're, we don't want to build a model. We just want to sit and eat pizza and watch TV. And just a twenty-year-old show. It, it, yeah, yeah. Water, yeah a funny twenty-year-old show. It was a weird. It's a. What are we supposed to feel about this kid? Well, I, I don't. I, I feel like the kid is like that, that's kind of very true-ish to like sort of the kids of that age. Like they're not all like these precocious bowl-cut kids you see on TV. Like, hey, pops, let's blah blah blah. No, but I mean, I think that like, but what is a normal kid is just like, I don't know. Let's watch TV. I mean, that's kind of like I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I felt no, pretty real to me. There are no accidents in, in Pizzolatto's show. I mean, I, I don't think there's anything by accident. So I don't know what. What, what do you think we're supposed to feel about this kid? I uh, think. Well, oh, go ahead. I, I just think he's a normal kid. I think he's you, a kid. Okay. I think he's a kid who's in the middle of some stuff. His parents are going through this crap. His dad's here. He doesn't know what to think about his dad. He even he, even his, his kind of like apathy. Like kids don't. I don't know. Kids don't really emote at that age like that. They're not going to come up with some really flowery line about like. Dad, I really miss you, and I want you to know that every time I watch, I saw the cube. Like, he's just like, how do you feel about that if I don't see you? He's like, I don't know. The scenes were juxtaposed. It was so you had not just Frank juxtaposed with, um, with, uh, with Ray as far as the, the little, little fathery moment. Uh, you also had the kids juxtaposed. You had one kid outside playing ball, mm-hmm. and young kid, skinny, sleek, athlete kid. 
and then you had the other kid watching yeah. TV eating pizza. This is not an accident. So I mean, like, what? Are, I, I don't. I, uh, John, John, what do you? What do you? Do you, do you, do you, do you I, I think that you know you had mentioned earlier this kind of one of the themes being about parenthood, especially specifically fatherhood. I think the the, the purpose of juxtaposing them, juxtaposing them that way was one to show that Vince has the capability to impart a, the role of a parent and do it in the right way where. Colin's character, where Ray Velcoro realizes that he's utterly inept at it, no matter whose kid it really is. I personally, I think that kid has a suspicion, or at least he'll grow up to go, "That's not my father." Mm. You know, it's it's almost irrelevant who the father is, and it could be that Abigail Spencer's character was having affairs on him while they were married, which I think is I think yeah. it's I think it's pretty, pretty possible yeah. because yeah. Ray's been a basket case for a long yeah. time. Yeah. You go go back to the Fred Ward scene right. when right. he met exactly. his father, you know. Um, but I think, you know, I mean one maybe maybe Vince's character doesn't have a an epiphany about it. He just it comes naturally to him to be able to talk to a child and, and let him know that you're going to experience these things in life and what you do with them is up to you. Okay. Sorry, it's my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, you and not one of us. Hi, honey. Hi, honey. I think she's watching. Um, but Velcoro has this, has his own epiphany that's not very positive for him where I think he realizes it doesn't matter whose kid it is I know I love him but I'm nothing but trouble for him I cannot be a father well, yeah. and they're trying to create this, the ultimate tragedy in Velcoro's situation from the first episode where his, his kid is he's overweight and he's just, he's li- literally like the redheaded stepchild yeah. he's you know he gets beat up for his shoes he wants to watch friends he's a sissy they're trying to do all these things hey, where you're like, I like friends I, just, no, I mean I love friends <laughs> I just mean the way that he interacts give me and your shoes he seems so scared and they're trying to set it up so that it's like Frank you know or not Frank that uh, Volcoro right. is, is holding on to this thing that ultimately you're watching and you're like you are struggling you're even struggling to want to love this kid but you know you are supposed to and you're telling yourself to well, love him this, I, that's, I, that's yeah. what I think is and, I and, think that's part of it but you yeah. know with all these characters trying to achieve some sort of redemption in their yeah. life I yeah. think mm-hmm. he's grasped this thing and held on to it desperately that's it. because that's the one redemptive thing he has if chance. I can be a father to this kid yeah. there's also you know, and he finally realizes I can't yeah. and that's, yeah. when he, that's when he goes off the rails yeah. it makes you wonder if there's like a pizza eating, friends watching, comic book store owning, big huge <laughs> red haired dude out there I'm kind of going, I wonder if I have a son somewhere. And I passed a joint right down the street. I want to um, move on because I don't want to get short on time here, but I want to just get to uh, you know Ray's yeah Ray's way of coping with his 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 grief and his yeah. and his you know he goes home and he gets the bottle of tequila and he gets a bag of uh, <laughs> some, some powdery what? white substance. Uh, you know I've never done coke, but that looked like a it lot of coke. Like that was yeah. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like that was like for a party, you know, of, like a bunch of people. Like Is that how it works? Oh that was God. a little much. Does his heart explode now? Is that yes. Yes. Like, he's gonna die. How sad. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was a great scene. Like Colin Farrell, you know, did, did, a, did a great scene. Just a job of sort of you know letting us feel yeah. his pain. There was no moment in that whole scene when you're like, yeah, buddy, get it. Woo! You're just, you're yeah. just like, I'm going on the ball. 
polo ties he wears, I did not take him for a punk rock kind of guy. No, <laughs> that true. surprised me. No, he's, he's no. disco all the way. Uh, <laughs> and then, but then the, 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 his very defeatist sort of call, you know, desperate call to the to the wife, and, and that was you know also very very sad. But it's very like it was super. Uh, showed his love for his son, in my opinion. Like, you know, if you love something, just let it yeah, go. If you love somebody, let him free. Set it exactly. free. If it doesn't exactly. come back, hunt it down and kill it. It's that's funny. Right. It's, that's it's that's funny. That. It's funny because I felt like that scene was. Um, I felt like that scene was cartoonish, but not actually in a bad way. It was a very effective scene, right. and I really, I really, really enjoyed the second half of it after the weightlifting and the punching. Yes, uh, when he's the just sitting yeah. there, sliding off the couch, out, yeah. crying, and then, and then the best part was when he's just sitting there quietly. The final shot before he makes the phone call. And it's all done. It's like if you've ever, if you've ever, I mean, not even drugs. If you ever just stayed up all night drinking, and everybody leaves, and the sun comes out, and you just mm-hmm. sit there, and you feel so sad and drained, yep. you're like, it's over. And yeah. I felt like that was just the the ultimate, the penultimate version of that. Yep. Um, so even though it did feel a bit cartoonish, like just the the punk rock and all of it. I thought it worked really well. It was yeah, very, it's yeah. very effective. He played it so beautifully, and, yeah. and very much enjoyed that they didn't show him destroy the room. I thought that was great. Yeah, yeah. that was yeah. indulgent and that's there. I like yeah. that they did it Greek. Like, come out, right. the tragedy's over. Let me tell you about it. Right. <laughs> I like that. So, what do we, what do we to make of Volcaro of this new uh, Ray Volcaro? Because I think that like we, we've seen all these different vers- versions of him. We first meet him; he's a complete burnout. Like, drinks too much, <laughs> smokes too much, does a little too much, everything else. Then a completely broken man. And then he's he sobers up and sort of you know gets his gets himself together, quits the force. He's still under Frank. He's now free from Frank theoretically. He's free from his son. He had one last go around with the booze and the coke. Is he back to burnout? Is he a brand new guy? Like what is this new? What do we expect I, from Frank? I think the the clue is in what Frank told him earlier in the episode. All that rage, you know, yeah. made you what you are, mm-hmm. and now he is. Free of all those things, so yeah, I think we're going to see the real, real. real yeah, now. Oh, I right. agree. I think that I think he's, he's not going. Got a gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big gun. I think he's going to cease trying to be what other people want him to be, mm-hmm. and just let it go, just, yeah. and let just it go. Yeah. go with his gut and what he feels. And, and I for think the record, I don't know. I really don't know what happens. Yeah, I was going to ask you about how much you do know because, uh, like, I'm wondering, are we going to see, are we going to find out who, who the, the father of Ray's son is? Are we going to find out? Do we, I mean, is it, is it, is it I wonder if we all, or is know. it just done? It's just done. Just done. It could be, it could be. Uh, let's move on. Just really quick to Rachel McAdams, um, going undercover. She's, uh, working out. Her sister knocks on the door. She's a little bit of a workout. Uh, I found that very disturbing, that workout, especially her finishing move. The knife workout? Yeah. 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 Like, come on! I'm like, enough already. He's already I felt dead. that one sick yes. in my living room. Yeah. I'm like, no! I'm like, dude's, dude's dead already. But, um, yeah, she, the, the finishing move, uh, and get a props for Rachel McAdams. She's really yeah. good at that. Yeah. That was like, awesome. I do not want to meet, you know. I loved it. Yes. So, um, I want the I want the behind the scenes video with the trainer standing there with her, and yeah. she's got her hair in a ponytail, and it's clear, you know, like the actress thing. She's got like Lou Lemon pants on. <laughs> she's working on her knife moves, you know, her, her like months of, of prep for the show. That's sure. that's the video I want to see. Well, the, she, that, again, she nailed the finishing move a little too strongly there. So yeah, I feel like she's got it. She killed it. She's um, so, amazing. But what do we? The, that relationship between her and her sister, I think, is really interesting, and I think mm-hmm. that we're we're learning more about her character. It's like, again, we learn more about the characters through their interactions with others, and so again, we're learning more about. Rachel McAdams uh, about about um, Annie um, Vizzaretti's 
more as we see her interact with the world. And I think that her, her the way she interacts with her sister kind of tells us more about sort of like what their relationship continues to be. But there's still some tenderness there, kind of. Kind of, a little bit. <laughs> I think she always has a, a, a soft spot for, for, since the very first episode. Right. That is her soft spot, is her sister. Right. That's the only thing that she holds on to. Right. So this is where, okay, so this is where it gets kind of weird for me. And I, I'm, I'm, first of all, I'll unboard a thousand percent. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, so they go to undercover to this party. She, yeah. she gets undercover. She gets to has a, this has corporate a, orgy. That's what look like uh, that she is uh, $2,000 a night. Was that, was that the party? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, she's not, they, she can't wear anything. They got the tracker. She put yeah. a tracker in her shoe. Um, that doesn't seem, none of that seems very safe to me. No, not at all. <laughs> no. Why, yeah, why are they letting her do that? Yes. <laughs> what, I want to know is where are these eyes wide shut parties? I never, nobody tells me anything. I know, I never get <laughs> a party. I'd go to the party. I mean, you know. No, these, these are, these, these things, they must happen because we see them on the TV. Weekend. Yeah, it yeah. must be real. It must be a thing. Uh, I don't know. But John, no. did you get to go? <laughs> no, <laughs> damn it. We were, you know what? We were hired. All the all the all the speaking actors except for Rachel. We were we were hired for three days for that shoot, which was in a big mansion over in Pasadena. But they only worked us the first day. Oh wow! <laughs> so you know Tim Murphy, a guy who plays the Russian Osip, right. and I, we we shot our scene about one o'clock in the morning, uh, and Miguel, who directed the episode was running back and forth between three different setups, which oh. was Rachel walking through the room and Tim and I in the office and Colin beating the shit out of somebody yes. outside. So there were three camera setups and Miguel wow. <laughs> was running back and forth and directing all of them at the wow. same time at one o'clock in the morning. Oh, wow. Wow, talk about consolidation. Yes. That's efficient. He's got a big <laughs> brain, that Miguel guy. You're, you're seeing, you're seeing that you're talking about with yeah. Osip? It was funny to me because it was the most like it was like it was like over here is like corporate deal money sign contracts something nefarious <laughs> and you're like yes and he's like like you cheated him he's like not quite and then you're just like you're like of course you're like something bad's happening like I, it was like one of those things where like, I feel like I, I know so little really about what's going on but I tried to make sense of the pieces like oh I think I get what's going on here right but I think it's it's the the uh, the paintbrush of of like. You know what am I looking for? Like generic sort of uh, contracts and and like uh, espionage but again, and all that. You know, it, the, the clues are there though. You know, every, right, right, right. every bit of dialogue is a clue. Right, almost every shot. Is oh, a clue. I don't doubt every line in the scene. Right? It has to be you written know. down and referenced yeah, next week. But, yeah, but yeah. what I really dig about it is that we do learn it as the viewer learns it. You know, okay. as the characters learn. You as actors. Know. Yeah, yeah, we, that's great we actors learned it as right. everybody was learning it. It was fantastic. Secrecy was crazy. On the I, I, well, oh, I, can I, I can't even imagine. You can't even imagine. I so can't. Just, just, <laughs> 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 so, so just finish up. Like, so you know, Annie gets gets into the party. They they, they give her a little dose of uh, some Molly, mm-hmm. uh, pure, pure, and you know. I, I read about this Molly. I'm not too familiar with it. I, I've never tried the Molly. But it's I, ecstasy, isn't it? Yes, it is. I thought so. that was Roughly. Ecstasy. It's, it's, no, it's, it's the pop. It's, it's, it's the same thing. MDMA. It's, it's the same, same thing. thing. Yeah. MDMA, which yeah. is oh, uh, but um, except I'm no expert on this on this ecstasy stuff. But uh, I don't know. In my in the, in the, in the experiences that I've read about or heard about, from yes, letters, so I'm told. Yes. Uh, so I'm told. I remember the book. You lent it to me. I, <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know that her 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 uh, her rolling was a little was it was a little different than what I read different in the book. Different than what I read in the book. Yeah, <laughs> she was because when I read the book, it was a little more clarity. When than I read that. the book, I don't remember any, hallucinog- in, in, any hallucinations or any kind of weirdness or anything like that. I have well, a friend that I... read the same book. Yes, uh, <laughs> and, and we, we were we were watching the episode. Wait a minute, is this guy friend of everybody? <laughs> <laughs> and he looked. He gets around, man. My buddy looked. Up, he looked over at me like it was happening. He's like, it's kind of shameful that they're presenting a, a Molly trip like this. He's like, this is ridiculous. Like, you just feel really happy. That's, that's it. That's what I said when I read the book. That's yeah, what the book said to me. That's what the book said. That's what the book said. I haven't read the book yet, but I've read well, other the book books. Says so, okay. <laughs> other books that I've read. Yes. Um, it really depends on your environment, does that's it not? True. It, does, it does depend on your environment. <laughs> hmm. I think your you're right. That's the book but, I read. No, you're absolutely right. It, uh, that, from what I read, it depends and on I've your environment. And I've read it more than once, and it's been different every time. Anyway, so she... So she she had a bad experience with the in, in, with the uh, the Molly. She tries to pick some up, uh, but I don't know. She was good. Did, did you feel like okay? You're a cop and you arrest people for doing drugs, and you're not like 55. You're like yes. 32 or something. Like, yeah. why are you making yourself puke when you put something an injectable like in your bloodstream? Like, what are you doing? You're that's no. not good. I just felt like that was so stupid. I was like, really? Well, you're a cop and you're going to try to make yourself... She's desperate. Maybe it's her first time reading the book. <laughs> I don't know. I, you, you just didn't feel like she would, she would <laughs> know? Don't you have to know how that stuff works right. if you're a police officer? But she gets in there. She seems <laughs> to okay. read that book. The, the, the Molly takes effect. She starts having some fla- interesting flashbacks to what we presume is a... Uh, it's her time on the commune, which I, I mean, yes. it was a pretty Back the obvious Back call. Back the commune. I that a long time ago. Yeah, the, that, mm-hmm. that adults yeah. were having sex with the babies. Yes. Something the weird. unicorns in the field, and oh, that was yeah. all bad. Yeah. All bad. So, so real, now we real know, creepy. So, so now we know where it's coming from. I mean, the, 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 the Molly induced that, so that was good that we found that out. But then uh, she finds... Um, she finds uh what's what's my girl's Vera. name? Vera. Yeah. And uh you know, and, and we knew we knew at some point the knife would come out and she was gonna gut someone. We, that we was called that from episode one. That was great, wasn't it? That that was. Was. And then he's standing there and, and you see the blood pooling. And what is it what did he say? Fuck what you the do. What you do to me. What you do. What you do. Yeah. That was that was badass. And it was very she, cool. Just I mean, she, he bled out just in time for her to not you know. And he puts his hand up and just smacks away. Yeah, it was very cool. Did she stab the other Guy yeah, did she kill the, the oil she bearers? No, she, she kicked him. him. She kicked him. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, she popped okay. him in the balls. She All like right. did a little this action, and then something happened. He fell, and then I thought she kicked him. That's. I thought I she know. got him. I thought I she, thought she got him too. And I thought, like, God, that was gratuitous because he's just a poor oral. oral yeah, I, per, I don't think. I don't think she. Did. <laughs> All right, just like she like twisted his arm. Yeah. 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 Poor or- they they have to leave something. Yeah. Coming yeah. to an eyes yeah. wide yeah. shut party in the middle of the night. So deserve that. No, that was some strong Molly. It, 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 made, it made her kill a dude. Well, it made her kill a dude, but she killed a guy. Yeah, she, had yeah. Kill a dude. she had to kill a dude, right? What the yep. book say about that? The, book, I, the, books, I, the, the books I've read, I've never, nothing, no one's ever killed anyone in the books I've read. No. <laughs> you didn't read the whole book. Right? <laughs> I, I've read the book a couple times. Yeah. I, I, I remember the book being very peaceful, very nice. Very, <laughs> very, very, very nice. Anyway, so that was that, you know, that whole scheme was great. Um, I mean, look, what else do you mean? A lot of sex. A lot, of, a lot of violence. Right. A lot of stuff happening in that in, in, in the house. Uh, she got through. Um, I think the guys outside that whole scene was I thought it was very cool that they were yeah. there and uh, I mean the plausibility factor I'm not gonna not gonna touch it I don't know the whole, I, like, I open door and Paul Woodrow is standing outside the door I don't know that moment you're talking about but I loved it yeah, I thought it was cool. all awesome I was I loved 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 it um, I feel like I've been waiting for it for this entire uh, season I was a little thrown off by the music. 
Oh, really? I thought the music was excellent. Yeah, I, I I'm with you. I, I, I loved it. It, it, was it, it, it just felt like, different in a completely different way. It felt very different. And, you know, the more I thought about it, I just watched it a second time. A yeah. little bit with you right there. Um, and it felt very much so like uh, like a haunted house. It yeah. felt like sort of horror film music to me. And I guess for this scene, it worked. It just, it just didn't necessarily fit in... The, this true detective world that they've built so far. It just took me out of it the first time I watched it. It completely took me well, out you of and I watched scene. the scene. Like, we watched it the second time together and I, yeah. I kind of felt that way too. I felt like the music had a little, a little too much going on. Yeah. If it, there was, if it was, if it pulled you out of the scene, it didn't, yeah. it was trying I mean, it was to an, instruct you how to feel. It was feel an interesting much. choice yeah. and it, it just didn't feel like it, it fit to me. Hmm. Well, to each their own. And, and then juxtapose against the Black Angels that play as they're leaving, right? Isn't that who that is? The rock and roll song that is plays? Is the Black Angels? I believe it's the Black Angels. Or yeah. I think that's who that is. Over the end credits? Yeah. Isn't it? I think it is. Yeah. That was my breakdancing crew in, in uh, the Black Angels? Yeah. In, in, in junior high. <laughs> I thought it still was. It still is. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I would be Black surprised. Really? Broken wings and limp <laughs> around. <laughs> cry a lot about their backs. Um... Let's, uh, let's 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 ask some uh, people on the line. Oh, by the way, Sylvia Love says if we want to find those parties, we should check Craigslist. Craigslist. <laughs> nice. Thank you, Sylvia. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you know, once <clears throat> once uh, Frank Semyon achieves his goals, if he ever does, I think his guy Nails is going to fit right in with that crowd. Oh yeah, you? we forgot to yeah. even mention. Oh yeah. oh yeah, we forgot nails to even mention the, the nail gun. The nails. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was an ouch. Yeah. Um, got it. Uh, let's let's let's. So, John, I want to ask you just about your experiences on this show. I mean, um, well, first of all, can you tell us like anything? I mean, is there anything you can tell us about about your character and and any, any, shed any light to sort of like what we make, what we could expect? I mean, I know we know you've done. I, you know, I, I, to be honest, I, I really can't. I yeah. mean, we we got our. You know, not only do we have a non disclosure agreement, mm-hmm. but but I just don't know because that we things, got we got our scenes. Type. We got only our pages the night mm-hmm. before we worked. Um, electronically, we couldn't print them. We could. Oh, really? Could, yeah, seriously. Same thing with wow. the audition. We, wow. you know, we got wow. this. We had to sign a, an NDA, an NDA start. online, send it back. Then they sent you this audition material that wasn't even in the show. Does your computer explode in thirty? Little puff of smoke comes out of the keyboard, just like Mission Impossible. Everybody gets a new Mac, though. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a party gift. Right? Yeah, they had bags of them at the rap party. Um, no, I really can't tell you. You know, it, but you know, I think Jacob McCandless is a very very manipulative guy and he doesn't he doesn't scare easy around somebody like Semyon even though he knows who he is he already knows he can out fox the guy right and that's exactly what he's doing he's manipulating him you see it's like carrot and a stick thing right what's it like what's it I mean we've read a lot about Vanny Fair profile what's it like working with uh, and for Nick Pizzolatto, I mean, is he is he Nick present? Is, great. is he present on the on the set? All every the time? single every shot. Single he shot. was okay. there. Night shots all the way till you know the sun was coming up. He was there every single day, working with every director, every actor. My first day going back to epi- not my first day, but my first dialogue day going back to episode two when we walked through the downtown oil rig. Yeah, and it's me and Vince and Vince's lawyer, and. Um, we spent all day long shooting that. I love that scene, by the way. Yeah, I did too. I thought it was a really cool scene. <laughs> That's a scene. Um, at the end of the day, you know, I'm walking to take my audio mic back or something, and I walk past Video Village, and Nick rips off his headphones and runs over to me and says, John, 
that was great. You're doing such a great job. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. Oh, that's nice. Great. That's, that's the kind of guy Nick is. You that's know, great. he'll give you a hug and say thanks, and he means it. And when he says, you know, I hope we work again, he means it. You know, is he's a any, very genuine guy. Is there any like sort of on the fly rewrite because he's there? Is he sort of yes, crafting he rewrites all the time. on the fly? Yeah, and stuff like, yeah oh, absolutely. He'll be over there way. on his chair just right. working on you know just nitpicky little things. Does he? And s- I see things change. Right. You know, in the edit from you know that scene I had last night was probably. Twice as long as what sure, you actually sure. saw, but they pared it down can, to just what was necessary. Can I ask you this as an actor? Is it more nerve wracking working with someone who's gotten so much attention for their writing and so much uh, acclaim for their writing, and having them right there? And it's and is it nerve wracking? Do you do you, do you ever have moments where you're you like, know, I better not move the the, I better not put the is. So <laughs> yeah, you, you stick very close yeah. to the text, you know, yeah. but. Um, I, you know, I, all I would say is, uh, you know, my first episode, I didn't really say anything. I just, you know, had a toast with Vince Vaughn and stared at the back of Colin's head, you know. But in the second episode, when I actually spoke and he had that kind of response to me, whatever intimidation I had, it, it went away. Nice. You know, he went out of his way to make sure that you didn't feel intimidated around him. Does he like? He's so poetic with his writing. There's, yeah. it's so so long winded in a lot of cases, and I mean the, the verbiage is very very specific. When you speak with him and you've had any longer conversations, does he speak in the same way, or no. just in his writing? No, he's like, oh fuck that shit. Man. <laughs> you know, come on, let's just go. Come on, That's shoot cool. it already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, John Crowley. It was like four o'clock in the morning, and, and uh, Nick came over and said, you know, why are we doing that shot again? And John goes, well, the focus was a bit dodgy, and Nick goes. <laughs> Well, fuck the focus. Yeah. <laughs> it's four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> he doesn't mean it. <laughs> so you work. So you got a chance to work some. Yeah, you, know, you work with Justin Lin. You work Justin with Lin did Just, the first two. I was you work in. with uh, Miguel Miguel Sapochnik, who also did the Hard Home, Hard Home, of Game, Game of, of Thrones, Thrones yeah. episode eight. If the, you guys have, uh, if you guys have not seen the uh, Game of Thrones episode the big, eight, massive White Walker. It is amazing. amazing. Was that the oh? He yeah, directed the episode yeah. you saw last night. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you directed and John Crowley. And then John Crowley. So yeah. what's it, I mean, you know, again, it, it, we talked about before in film and in television, like you have different directors all the time. And usually it's like in last season, it was one director. This time you've worked with Justin, you've worked with John, you've worked with Miguel. And with Nick there, what's that process like? Is it is it is it strange? Does it seem okay? Is you know, it, I found it to be very collaborative. Um, the directors had really had all... They all had free reign, but everybody knew what show they were making. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've heard some people say that, you know, maybe there's too many directors, but I really don't agree. I don't, I don't see a big change, um, mainly because the, the DP is the same guy. Mm. Yeah, that's and, a good point. Uh, yeah. know, and he kept a consistent look all the way through it, and he's right. amazing. His name's Nigel Bluke, and he's fantastic. Um, and Nick is the kind of guy, because the secrecy was so intense, um, He's the kind of guy who would walk over and, and tell you exactly why your character is here, what you're doing, how that relates to some things, but if it also if it doesn't relate to something over here. And he'll right. even say, that has nothing to do with you. <laughs> you right. just need to worry about this, this, this. So the architecture in his head and how he relates to everybody else was really valuable. That's one thing I was wondering. I'm like, yeah, because there's there, there's so much going on. On there's so many characters, so many things going Very on. Very dense. I wonder how much it's super dense. I wonder how much you as an actor has to be aware of the world that's your that that you're you're inside. Like there's so many other people populated in your world. If, are you just concerned about you and Frank and, and your world, or do you know what's going on with uh, you know with, with Taylor Kitsch and over here? No, and no, I didn't know about that, and and there's no reason why I should. Right, really, no. you know, even the character. 
doesn't know that's going on necessarily. Right. Um, but but again, that's where Nick and the directors were just so great they could just fill you into whatever questions you had. Now right. you're you're a director and producer yourself. Yeah. You have your own stuff you've worked on. Yeah. So working on something as high profile and really as specific as this, do you draw a lot of inspiration there creatively on your own stuff? Man, it was like every episode I would you'd see me just kind of hanging around. You know, and all yeah. the other actors go back to their trailer. I'm going, you don't mind if I just stand in the back and watch for a while? Sure. Because you know, I'd really like to see how you set this up. Sure. And I've never seen money thrown around at a production like that. Yeah. Even on the big budget studio films that I've been lucky enough to be in. HBO, baby. HBO, well, man. They got the cash. <laughs> they do. Them and Netflix. They got they the, the nuka. Yeah. Um, oh. Mine was backtracking a little bit okay. so we can move on. Okay. So um, <laughs> Backtrack all you want. I will, well, you started to touch on it a little bit, um, that you don't get your pages until the night before, that you're just getting uh, bits of information thrown at you, what's, what's important, what's impertinent. How difficult, is to, how difficult is it to build an entire character, your entire character of Jacob McCandless, when you only have these bits of information? Is there a lot in your head, in your imagination, that you've made up for his backstory? Yeah, you know, you sit down and make up your own. Because you're a powerful man. And I did do that. I, I wrote a couple of paragraphs or a couple of pages of, of stuff that I just made up mm-hmm. that I could take into the scenes with me. Um, but, you know, it's important to remember if, if if you're there, you know, basically to support the four big shots, because they're doing the real heavy lifting, those four actors are, um, you just have to be clear about what your character is there to be. You know, what, what, what cog in the wheel am I providing here? And once you're clear on that, then, then it's not that hard. It can be intimidating if you let it be intimidating. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, you know, as we talked about Vince Vaughn as the big bad, but I really think that you're you're the big bad. You're the guy. Yeah. You're, Maybe. <laughs> you know? That sounds like a prediction to me. I would <laughs> say... <laughs> yellow King. Absolutely nothing. You're the, you're the Yellow King. We're on the, that's my the prediction. The Yellow King. <laughs> uh, let, let's take way into predictions right now so, right. so we can get into some. Um, let's do some predictions. Boom. Prediction number one. There's a Done. drop. There will not be. There it is. There it is. I'll jump in because you took the first one. Uh, last week, I had made a prediction that one of the main characters was going to die in episodes six through eight, and uh, several of our fans, I think like a half dozen of them, tweeted at me and, and left comments about how obvious it was that Velcoro dies based on some of the uh, some of the stuff we saw in the dream sequence earlier, and just the way that his arc is being set up. And I, I would say that I read into the stuff they said. I, I, I think that it was pretty correct. So I'm going to credit some of our fans as saying that Velcoro will die in one of the next two episodes. He's going to mm. be the character. Huh. Okay. All right. All right, Jules. Um, I my well, my predictions was similar to his. Um, that I do think that you have a lot more uh, of your your hands are way dirtier than than we know already, and you are McCandless so desperate. McCandless. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Me, not John. And uh, your character is so desperate to get his hands on those tapes. I think we're going to find those tapes, and we're going to see some not-so-savory things that you were doing. Mm. Maybe wearing some masks. Mm. Maybe. Uh, I think we're going to find out that Ray is not this kid's dad, and that his wife was having an affair, for sure. I don't know if it's going to be pertinent or not, but I think that that's definitely going to be the case. Um, And, and, you know, I I just I want to say real quick, not a prediction, but the idea of a bad guy or good guy, I think... uh, 
in this particular season, uh, just people following their own self-interest, and I, that, yeah. which is always to me the best kind of television because, you know, evil for its own sake is so cheap and easy. But if you're just following your own self-interest all the way, then really good writing leads people to be, you know, to be in conflict, and bad versus good becomes kind of uh, outdated. You yeah. know, sure. So yeah, I don't but know we, we still have, a, have the question that you, was stated. You, oh, you're right. Are you preparing yourself for Vegas this weekend, Joe? That that line. <laughs> if you're going to be in Vegas, we'll be there. I want just a quick second here to give good. a shout out. Uh, a theory that was shared by one of our fans uh, on Twitter as the local stigmatic. Mm-hmm. He wrote a few sentences about what he thinks is going on, and it was very elaborate. I know we all saw it on Twitter. I just wanted to read it out loud because okay. I think it's pretty great. Right. Uh, theory Shasani's Lodge is a bohemian grove type of yeah. cult of the rich and powerful, meeting in the woods once a year to sacrifice women to a bird god. They saw a chance to cheat Frank and Casper out of $5 million and steal Casper's blackmail videos and took it by torturing and killing. Merchisani is now using Vinci PD to clean up the murder, planning evidence on the Mexicans. The Birdman is Lieutenant Burris. He used rubber bullets, like cops use, and was awfully quick to Belcora's shooting scene. What are you doing with my scene, Lieutenant? Perhaps to give his fingerprints an excuse for being there. Notice he was opening cupboards without gloves on. That's a very specific choice for an actor or character. Shasani's lodge is deep in the woods, similar to the Bohemian Grove, in the tall trees where Vercora was murdered, as he and his dad prophesied in the purgatory, when he and Bezzarides get too close to solving the murder. It was probably a little convoluted, that's but... Right. That's, right. So good. that's pretty great. Yeah. That's that's pretty great. That guy should be a writer. You should. I want to hear yours. I just want to say very quickly my my official prediction is that um, I think that uh, I think that your character is going to get away get away clean. I don't think I think he's going down. Duh. I think he's going down. And you, well, you think he's going to go? You, you think Wait. he's not going to go? No, no, he's he's not. He's not. He's going to get away with it. Okay, good. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that because I think that uh, they will. You know, they'll have all the evidence and they'll take these guys down. But I think that Mr. Teflon here will skate. Uh, that's what it I looks think. too good in a suit. He's not going to. And I think, oh, but, but I also believe that Frank God. hopefully will still rise, and, and, and Mr. Teflon will skate, and then we'll we'll see. Characters like yours always get away with stuff. Yeah. in shows like that's that's Pizzolatto's whole thing. It's his whole thing, right? Like he, the, wants the, he wants the he wants the corporate guys to that's win. That's the country we live in. It's beautiful. John, can we get a prediction from you? What? And you know stuff, but what do you? I predict that. Network is None of us know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Well played, uh, sir. I predict you're not going to get it from me. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, John. Thank you very much. Us. This is a great John. Thank great. you for coming. Uh, you just, Thanks for doing your homework. Yeah, you can see John. I mean, John, um, you're, you're working against my new on Twitter. It's at, at V. John Lindstrom. At V. John Lindstrom. At V. John Lindstrom. So you can check him out on Twitter. Joe Flippo, where can I find you? Uh, you can find me on the Twitter. at Joe Flippo, J-O-E-F-L-I-P-O. Julia? Uh, Twitter on Instagram with my name, Julia Carely, J-U-L-I-A-C-E-A-R-L-E-Y. You guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media. Ben Bateman Media on Twitter, Instagram, and occasionally Periscope, but probably not very often. (laughs) And you can find me at Joe K. Braswell on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope, especially from Vegas. Joe? No. No, I'm kidding. Uh, John, it's a pleasure (laughs) having you, and we will see you all next week for the final two episodes. Thank you. All right. Thank you for coming, sir. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.